Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, produced here in Sydney, Australia. My name is Matt Wakeling, and thank you so much for joining me for our first show of 2018. Now today we speak to John Kinch, who is the guitar tech for Garth Brooks and has been since very early on in Garth's incredible career. John's just come off a three and a half year tour that has seen over six million people come to a Garth Brooks show. It's just incredible, just staggering. And he's one of the hardest working techs in the business. It was a great privilege to speak to John and we'll get to that very shortly. But first we'll have a little bit of Guitar Speak news. Now on social media, you may know we're on Instagram and Facebook, but we have just started a Facebook discussion group. It's a closed group called Guitar Speak Forum, and it's a place where you can discuss anything that we talk about in the show, but also any other guitar stuff you're into. There's a cool discussion at the moment about some of the new Ibanez models, really really signing up some incredible fusion players. Uh, we've already spoken about Michael Dolce from Australia signing up. It looks like Tom Quayle has got a signature model coming out as well. So, you know, we talk about all kinds of stuff. So if you look up Guitar Speak Forum, apply to join. We would love to have you. Also a reminder that you can access any of our previous 70-plus interviews with leading luthiers, guitarists, manufacturers, players like Andy Timmons, Brett Garsard, Gretchen Men, Jude Gold, Joe Robinson, uh, Scott Henderson, many, many more fantastic players from both Australia and around the world. So head over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from, you can access all of those interviews and uh, you're welcome to dig through and, and check them out. All right, going to move on to my interview with John Kinch now. I want to thank my friend Matt Bond from Up in Cairns, great guitar player and uh, a friend of John's who, who very kindly introduced me to him. So thank you, Matt. Really appreciate you making this happen. And uh, yeah, as I said earlier, John has just come off three and a half years, essentially on the road uh, with Garth Brooks in his incredible world tour. Now, John has been with Garth since the very early days of his career in the early 90s and has been not only Garth's tech, but uh, the sole guitar tech on many of those tours. Now he's working with another another tech, but he's still dealing with a lot of instruments. In addition to that, he, he will whip out a guitar to uh, play a few live parts down in his guitar roadie bunker, in his tech bunker there, plugs into a Kemper, adds some live parts. He's uh, appeared on Garth Brooks' only live album, Double Live, and uh, is, is a great guitarist and a bass player. So here we go. Here's my conversation with John. John Kinch, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. All right, thanks for having me. Oh, our, our pleasure. Now, you've, you've just come off three, this is unbelievable, three and a half years of, uh, of a world tour with, with Garth Brooks, of course. And I definitely want to speak about your, your teching job, but if we can go back, because you're, you're known as a fantastic guitar player in your own right, what, what got you started in music and guitars in the first place? Um, well, actually, the, the whole truth of it is I'm, I'm a, a bass player first. That was my first choice of instrument. Okay. Um, I was raised, I had a couple brothers that played guitar, you know, uh, that was kind of the, I wound up on bass because I had two guitarists playing brothers and a drummer that played drums. So okay. I was like, well, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's just, that's kind of where it all started back, you know, uh, early, early teens. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. A lot, a lot of music around the house. So. Yeah. What, what kind of stuff were you listening to? Um, I was luckily I was the youngest of six, so I had wow. uh, everything from, you know, uh, the, the, the I had two sisters who were you know Carol King and. Uh, um, a lot of the uh, singer-songwriter type stuff, and then all my brothers, it was everything from, you know, Alice Cooper to Queen, mm-hmm. to Frank Zappa, to, you know, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, that kind of stuff. Just, we had a had a, a whole range of stuff going on in the house. Excellent. That's cool. That's very cool. So I'm guessing this is kind of 70s, late 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, late 70s. Yep, that's a good time. Um, good time for I, music. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, we, we managed to kind of catch uh, a fair amount of everything at that time, so. Great. And when you were jamming um, with, with your with your friends, when you got, it's, that's the classic story, isn't it? They needed a bass player, so that's the spot you took. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> what um, what kind of stuff were you guys playing? Oh, um, you know, at, th- at that time it was it started out as, you know, um, you know what, what? What's now considered classic rock? I guess mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, ACDC, uh, you know, Rush, uh, middle middle of America kind of rock stuff. Yep. Uh, Zeppelin, The Who, all that kind of stuff. That was that was kind of the the stuff that was. I was I, uh, you know being a bass player in the mid Midwest. It was Rush. You know, Geddy Lee was yeah yeah the the pinnacle. Yes, you know so. yeah. <laughs> They they broke big in the Midwest. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was their thing. Detroit and Cleveland on down, and that was kind of where they, you know, they conquered the Midwest, and then finally the people on the both coasts kind of caught up. You caught know, up with so. them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I just saw um, I just saw their doco on Netflix recently, and um, it was so great. It was so inspiring. That especially you know Alex and and Getty being being friends from school and you know, keeping that whole thing going for so long. Yeah, that's the the whole story behind the you know that's it's kind of one of those the, the, the biggest cult band in the world is kind of the way I I feel about it you know and, uh-huh. you know the the fact that they did it for forty some years with the original basically the original three guys you know um, yeah I'm I'm, de- I'm definitely a fanboy so <laughs> that's cool very cool so what happened from there so jamming in bands did um when did playing become uh, more of a full-time concern for you well pretty much oh uh, you know by the time i got out of high school uh I, when i got into high school i got involved with like the jazz ensemble yeah uh you know uh got a, a, definitely a big dose of theory um actually wound up playing some upright and some of the jazz ensemble oh, uh, nice. Uh, yeah so i got got rooted in all that stuff um by the time I got out of high school, I was in a band that we were playing quite a few clubs around the Midwest. And, you know, um, we were out there working at writing songs and trying to get, trying to get signed and, you know, be the, be the next big thing. And that was, you know, spent about four years doing that. Um, you know, found out that the, the songwriting aspect of it was, uh, um, probably not, anybody in my band strong suit <laughs> so but we were all great players and we had a great time it was like oh the songwriting thing's a little more tricky <laughs> yeah well what time is this around 
Oh, um, well, I, I started playing in clubs probably, oh, 82, 83. Yeah. Um, you know, at that time I was going out and kind of doing pickup gigs, playing, you know, kind of blues or rhythm and blues kind of stuff. Okay. Um, you know, from then on, you know, uh, uh, you know, being in the Midwest, you also had to be able, you know, you had to go out and do country gigs because those were the, those were the gigs you'd actually make some money at, uh, <laughs> you <yes>. know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. I got, got pretty well versed in going out and, and, uh, you know, doing classic country stuff. Um, yeah. you know, so. Great. Well, what was your rig like back then? Oh, um, I, uh, various and sundry. I started out, you know, uh, I, I'm a Fender bass. Fender jazz bass is my my base of choice. Um, uh-huh. You know, amp wise, I, at one point I had like a Yamaha, you know, solid state head and a 215, and went through. Um, you know, at one point I had a, a Yamaha preamp and biamped into a you know separate 218 cabinet and four tens. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know yeah, half a truck thing. full of yeah. stuff yeah that was definitely the 80s thing yeah. you know um by 85 i wound up buying a used ampeg svt uh-huh. and once i found that it was like that's that's why everybody uses it you yeah, know it's, yeah. it, it awesome. just has that thing and nice. it's actually still sitting in my garage as we speak so. oh really that's cool uh, yeah so awesome man did you uh what did you run through did you ever go the 810 way Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, when I bought the amp, uh, it came with the original two eight tens. Wow! And which was way more than I would ever, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're you're going into a club for you know 48 people, and you, got, you, know, this, you know everybody's getting nauseous because of all the low end. You know? But uh, most of the time, it was just a single, like you know, the single eight ten in the head. Yeah. If we had a bigger gig or if we were opening for somebody, I'd pull both the cabinets out because it looked cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's very cool. Were you um were you getting into the the tech side of things at this stage? Were you like looking after you know your own setups or or whatever? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, you know kind of at that time you know you just had to yeah there were there were guys that you know took care of guitars and whatnot around town and stuff, but. For the most part, it couldn't afford to pay anybody to work on any of my stuff, <laughs> you know. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, between working on, you know, doing maintenance and learning how to do setups and frets and changing pickups and, um, you know, I actually in amongst all that, I, I wound up, you know, buying about half of the PA system. Okay. Um, you know, so be- building speaker cabinets and, uh, you know, setting up PAs and that kind of stuff. Um, also, kind of came along with that back okay. back in those days. Most most of the clubs in the Midwest they didn't have their own PA, you know, they didn't have their own lights and that kind of stuff. So we, we would carry everything, you know, so. Yeah. Wow. And what was your background with this? Like, did you just teach yourself? Did you, uh, did you do any courses or was there anyone that Uh, helped you along? Oh, there was a couple of guys. Um, you know, uh, there was a, a local music store here in Topeka called steam music. Um, Don, the guy that owned the place, he, he was always pretty cool about, you know, he knew we were all broke, but he, you know, if, if we needed some, you know, some extra strings or whatever, he would kind of float us. Yeah. Uh, another guy, Joe Green, who worked for, worked for Don, you know, that we, it was kind of a, uh, I mean, we didn't call it networking at the time, but it, you know, that's what it was, was, sure. you know, it was, uh, you know, you'd find somebody that would know how to, Oh, you know how to do this. Well, here, I'll do this. And, you know, 
we learn off each other. Um, you know, and there was, there were, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Kansas. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they were from Topeka. So they had, they kind of cut a wide swath, you know, there's yep. a lot of, a lot of guys five, 10 years older than me that worked with them and whatnot. And you could kind of, you know, pick up, there, there weren't any schools, at least around here at the time, sure. as far as like, you know, so it, it was all <laughs> kind of on the job training. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Do you, um, do you remember moving into tech work? I, I assume like you're playing at the same time as all of this stuff is, is happening. Um, did you have a first kind of tech gig that, that popped up? Well, really, the uh, um, the PA side of the stuff was what kind of opened up for me. Okay. Um, I uh, I was playing and taking care, you know, taking care of guitars and whatnot. But uh, um, we started playing in Wichita, Kansas, and there was a guy named John McBride mm-hmm. who had a, a company, a PA company called MD Systems, and uh, it was one of those things where he had some gear at us at one of the clubs we played at. He, you know, we rented some gear from him and got hooked up with him. And then I wound up kind of working with him, Dan Hines, who was actually a friend of mine who was our, our club band sound guy. We both kind of wound up working for John. Okay. Um, you know, and we, we, when we were off from the band, we would go down to Wichita and we'd go out and do regional sound gigs, you know, yep. everything from, you know, uh, you know, Bobby Brown to, you know, Clint Black or whoever was coming through. You know? uh-huh. Wow, cool. Um, Great. And so by the late sort of 80s, Garth was starting to hit. Um, what's, how did you hook up with Garth? Well, that was, he came through, uh, we were all working for MD Systems and he came through actually opening for Clint Black. Okay. Um, you know, I had half a dozen shows. His first record was just getting ready to come out. Yep. Um, so, I, you know, uh, we were doing the shows for Clint, but Garth was the opening act, and, and uh, he got hooked up. Dan got hooked up with him. Um, I was still doing my band thing, so I was still trying to, you know, kind of get a record deal and that kind of stuff. Yep. So I, I um, you know, Garth offered the gig to Dan, and, and uh, Dan kind of took it, you know, I mean, literally, like getting got in a van that night, you know. <laughs> um, but there was a, you know, we were all kind of seeing, you know, the country thing was kind of starting to blow up, you know, and, yeah. and uh, we were seeing a lot of country acts coming through. And so Dan kind of wound up relocating to Nashville, you know. I think I was probably 89, late 89, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, John, who was married to Martina McBride, who's now, you know, world-known country singer um she was trying to get a record deal also so they wound up moving uh, to nashville along that same time so that martina could work on getting a country record label deal and yeah so yeah it was just kind of a little little pipeline through the uh the pa company okay sure sure and when did um when did the job for you come about then well i wound up going down to nashville uh, towards the end of 1990 okay, and yep. working for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, uh, the, the PA company at that time was doing mostly Garth stuff and they were, Garth was starting to blow up. So we were trying to build a P, PA big enough to go out and do arena shows. Oh, okay. Um, yep. wow. Yeah. So I wound up doing some work and then, it, you know, came home for a couple of months and then it, it was, you know, it, uh, between talking with John and Dan, they were both trying to convince me to, come, you know, come back down and, <laughs> Yeah. 
so the middle middle of 91 i moved down and uh went to work you know with john and dan you know kind of with garth you know working specifically with garth and um the idea at that time was that when he went you know garth was going to go out in 1992 and he was going to be a headliner you know and do arena shows so we had one one year's worth of work (laughs) you know at the time so there was uh you know um you know, packed up all my stuff in my van and, and moved to Nashville for a guaranteed one year's worth of work. Yeah. So. Wow. So there you go. What's, what was Nashville like around then? Like I've got friends who live there now and, and there's, a, there's talk about, you know, current Nashville versus older Nashville. What was Nashville like in the early nineties? Um, yeah, yeah, it was still, you know, I mean, it's, it's not obviously LA or anything, mm-hmm. but you know, back in the nineties, it was a, pretty rural town still um you know the the, you know the country music scene was based out of there but uh it would definitely hadn't it's it's really boomed here in the last 10 or 15 years um back you know the early 90s it was um you know the the lower broadway scene if you wanted to go to tootsies or uh you know roberts western wear and that kind of stuff you didn't want to leave there after dark by yourself, you know, cause the, <laughs> that part okay. of downtown was still, it was still pretty rough, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but now it's all, all, you know, that whole lower Broadway thing, is just crazy. And they have, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, it's a, it's a major boon for the, uh, downtown economy, but it's, it's such a, it's a, such a scene that I kind of avoid it, you okay. know, you know? Yeah. but but there's you know there's a thousand great players down there. And, sure. Uh, it, it's it's been it's, it's it's really cool. I just it's you know it's uh, it's about twenty years past my time to be doing that. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> I um I want to fast forward to the current tour, but um I think we should talk about you playing on on Garth's only live album, Double Live. How did that come about? Well, yeah, that was uh, during that time. Uh, you know, for the from. I started uh, teching guitars for him in 93. Uh-huh. Then uh, by the time, you know, when we, in 93, 94, we were off most of 95. And then the, the really big, you know, stuff kind of hit, you know, 95, 96. Yeah. Um, I was, a, I was still teching, but there was a lot of stuff that he was, you know, we, you know, he would record stuff and then play live and he would have me actually play a bunch of guitar from underneath the stage, which, okay. you know, was, you know, that was my kind of, um, you know, between, between trying to keep everything working and, and keep, uh, <laughs> keep everything in tune, you know, I could jump out and, you know, pick up the Telecaster and play rhythm parts to try and keep, you know, keep everything filled up when the, uh, mm-hmm. when James, James Garver, who was the lead guitarist at the time, you know, he, he was great, but, you know, the solo would come around and everything would kind of fall apart. So. Uh-huh. So I was I was kind of the de facto rhythm guitar player slash tech at the time. Okay. So I'm just picturing you, um, you know, in your guitar tech pit, uh, just grabbing a guitar and and wailing some rhythm <laughs> for a few tunes, and then that restringing was pretty, something. Or <laughs> sure, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Did. That's was, cool. You know, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I did. You know, I played guitar and a bunch of tunes. I played some keyboard parts. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, it was at one point I was playing tambourine. So okay. Was, yeah, which I was, I, I was not a, not a tambourine player by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but uh, I, I think Garth enjoyed it because it made me look funny. So. <laughs> 
filling all the gaps. That's awesome. Pretty much, yeah. That's that's kind of how you know. That's kind of how our campus, where Garth's campus, always been, is that at any given time, you know, it's it's oh, you're a lighting guy. Well, you gotta you know help out selling T-shirts or whatever. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. it's 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 always been that you know do whatever it takes at whatever moment to make it happen. So yeah, well, it sounds like you're there pretty much from the ground up to to build um, an incredible career, but also an incredible um, team of people. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the, uh, you know, the the cool thing was, you know, we we had this, and it was a pretty, it's a pretty small camp, you know, he doesn't like having 75 crew guys, you know, I mean, there's, there's just a handful of us, and we all, you know, worked all through the 90s, and then when he kind of retired, some of us kind of retired, some of the, you know, a couple of the guys kept kind of gigging or whatever, but uh, when it you know, 2000 came around, you know, and he would call up, we would go out and do one-offs every once in a while. But, yeah. Uh, he kind of, kind of called all the old guys back, which was, um, un, unheard of in the, uh, music industry. Okay. So you're talking about, yeah, the period where, yeah, Garth kind of slowed down, I guess, in the early 2000s for a while. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. That's cool. He kept, uh, kept the family together as it were. Yeah. Yeah. He's, that's a, you know, that's the definite definition of the, uh, yeah, he's a big, you know, big family guy. Likes to see all the same faces. Once, you know, um, you know, he's kind of the opposite of some of the some of the other kind of legacy or heritage acts that okay. have gotten to that. You know, they, you know, they're, they're just you know, all all I want to do is make sure that my microphone works when I get on stage. That's yeah, all sure. I, you know. So, yeah. But. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. I love that. Hey, in around um, 96, uh, Takamini released the, the Garth Brooks signature guitar. Were you privy to any of the discussions about that model being produced? Yeah, we had, uh, you know, Garth was the one that basically kind of came up with the idea. Um, we had been using the, uh, you know, he had been a Takamini guy since early, early on. Mm-hmm. Um, basically through uh, Steve Warner was, you know, Steve Warner was kind of the first big talk guy in okay. nashville yeah yeah yep. i remember and, uh, i remember the ads yeah yeah sure sure yeah and, and uh, yeah steve's just a ridiculous i mean he's yes such a good player and, and the nicest guy on the face of the earth so but uh yeah steve steve kind of hooked up uh garth with dave vincent and you know in early 90s we were using the uh en 10s and the en 15s and then yep. there was kind of some talk about some, you know the signature you know, they wanted to do a Garth model, and so Garth wanted to change it up a little bit. So he was the one that came up with the uh, the idea of the sound hole design, and it, it took a couple of tries, um, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of prototypes. But they, you know, um, actually when we we kind of got it narrowed down to the one particular prototype, and we were getting ready getting ready to start the tour um, March of '96 or whatever it was, and we were you know waiting and waiting for these guitars to come in from Japan. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I still had a batch of the 15s that we you know, in case the new ones didn't come in. And literally the day before we put everything in the truck to go to Atlanta, we we wound up getting four of them in. Dave Vincent like came, you know, running into the warehouse with a couple of guitar cases, and he's like, "Oh, they finally came in." Wow. Yeah. So. Awesome. Very cool. Now, if we fast forward to well, now really. So as as we said at the start, you're on. You're on a couple, a few weeks break after being part of this incredible Garth Brooks tour, three and a half years, um, 
Uh, I've read something like 6.4 million tickets sold for this yeah. last World Tour. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's incredible. What's what's a day in the life of a tech on a tour of that magnitude like? I can't even imagine. Um, you know, it's uh, it was fantastic for the most part. I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of long days, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, we're we're just you know insanely blessed that you know Garth sells the amount of tickets that he does, yeah, and we. Yeah. So we get to do, you know, basically we're doing kind of two to three cities a month where we would load in, load in on a Wednesday and then have shows Thursday through Saturday or Sunday and then mm-hmm. load out and, you know, go to, so it was, you the load in and load out days were usually kind of long days, but yeah, uh, sure. most of the time, you know, get to the gig at, you know, two o'clock, mm-hmm. have a seven, seven thirty show and, and be back to the hotel by about midnight. Yeah. Um, the only, of course, you know, um, Garth's work ethic is that, you know, if, if he's, you know, standing up and breathing, he wants to be working. So uh, we we wound up doing a lot of double shows. So we okay. have, you know, we load in on a, you know, Thursday and have two shows Friday, two shows Saturday and load back out. So those days you wind up, you know, get to the gig at, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning for a, usually a three, three thirty show and then have another show at seven thirty or eight. Yeah. That's huge. So the, yeah, those days were, <laughs> were a little bit longer, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, but the, the, the idea also was that it was one less day that we were out. You know? Yeah, sure. Yep, yep. So that's, you know, you know, but yeah, it did, uh, on a double show, especially the double doubles where we would do it back to back. It was, you know, go to the gig, leave the gig, go to the hotel, get up, go back to the gig, you know, um, you know, at some point get a cup of coffee and, and yep. just do shows, you know, so. Wow. Now with, with the two, I understand there's two guitar techs for the whole band. Is that right? Yeah, that's part of our, yeah, he's, that was actually kind of a big change for us from the nineties was back in the nineties. I, I was the only tech. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was, I was taking care of the entire band and, wow. and, and kind of keeping after, you know, the keyboards and the, the, the drums when I could, you know, it was, um, you know, most, most of the time, I mean, fortunately, you know, Mikey Palmer, who's Garth drummer from forever and Dave, the keyboard player, Dave Gant, they, they're, they've, they're self-sufficient for mm-hmm. the most part, you know, and, and they understand that, you know, and I was like, okay, I've got eight things to do in the next five minutes. So you guys are on the list somewhere, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so fortunately we got a, you know, this go around, we got another tech, uh, Scotty Fowler, who's another Kansas guy, as a matter of fact. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. John McBride, MD systems, you know, Wichita, Kansas. He was, he was in amongst all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was actually, he was in Nashville. He was working with Miranda Lambert for a couple of years. And then when our thing kind of started coming back around, you know, we'd, Garth was kind of asking about getting another tech and, and, um, you know, Scotty's name came up actually through John and, um, you know, so it's like, Oh yeah, well, <laughs> obviously he's, he's part of the camp, even though he wasn't really part of our camp back in the nineties, but he's definitely, you know, in the same, same vein as everybody else. So. Great. And how do you divide up the, um, responsibilities? Uh, basically we just kind of, you know, I, I work stage right. He works stage left. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as as a, I 
having taken care of Garth back in the nineties, I'm kind of, you know, that was kind of my, my first priority was Garth. And then, yep. you know, um, Johnny, who was the, the lead guitar player on this go around. Uh, and then uh, Jimmy Mattingly is also stage ride. So I kind of keep track of those three guys mostly. Okay. Yeah. So Scotty kind of, you know, he was just, he would work stage left. He'd take care of Bruce and, uh, Mark Greenwood. And he, he was like, he jumped in on the drums, you know, the, okay. the, uh, I don't know if you've seen the gigantic drum orb that we had this time around. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, so that was kind of Scotty's, you yeah. know, uh, you know, he would get come in in the morning and, and, uh, that was, that was kind of nice for me because I was not a, a drum tech by any means, but I just, I did what I could because I, I had to, you know, but, uh, Scotty definitely jumped in and, and wrestled that thing. So <laughs> it was, it was wonderful. So. Wow. So on your side of the stage, how many instruments would you be looking after? Because I know it's it's not just the acoustics and electrics. There's mandolins and and all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. We got uh, um, yeah. Jimmy has uh, at any given time three or four fiddles. Mm -hmm. uh, Dave also plays fiddle on one tune. We got you know a mando. We got a mandocello. Um, I always like the basically the breakdown of for during a show. I always have three acoustics that are ready to go for Garth. Yeah. Um, and then Jimmy has an acoustic and a, a spare. Johnny has four or five guitars. Then I have to the two guitars that I would play during the show. Um, and there was, you know, I, we always had spares and backups in, in the trunk. So it, it was uh, roughly about 15 guitars stage right. Um, okay. Stage left, Scotty had probably 10 at any given time. Um, you know, a couple of bases for Mark, and then uh, Bruce. Uh, Bruce mainly played steel, but he also played electric guitar, and then he also played slide, like okay. kind of a lap steel kind of thing. Oh yeah, yep, yep. So yeah, so it was a, it was it was a fair amount of uh, a fair amount of and you know, I mean nothing nothing crazy, nothing you know, uh, you know. I have a friend of mine that works for Cheap Trick, and and <laughs> Rick Nielsen has you know, you know, three dozen guitars just for him. You know, yes. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> How often are you doing restrings? Does that depend on the the guitarist on on their preference or? Yeah, yeah. Um, for Garth, you know, I kind of have like a, the number one. Um, you know, I'll set up a batch of guitars and I'll kind of pick out which will be the you know number one and then kind of a number two. But okay, um, I have fresh strings on his guitar for every show. Yep. Because um, he just, you know, he just beats them to death. It's hard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, like, uh, I'll keep him on fresh strings for every show. Jimmy on his acoustics, I usually get two shows out of a set of strings. Yeah. Um, whatever, you know, like Johnny's number one, like he plays, he's got a 62 strat that he plays a lot. Okay. Um, that's every three or four shows on, on his strings. Yeah. But I kind of rotate, you know, I'll, 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 you know, cause he's got a, a strat and a PRS and then there's a strat that's a half step down that he plays some. So it's. Okay. Yeah, at, at any given time, uh, you know, uh, um, I'll have, uh, you know, three or four string changes at, before a show. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing real crazy, but it's, it's, it's enough to keep you busy. Yeah, sure. Have there been any um, sort of major uh, repair jobs or anything you've needed to do on the tour? Um, yeah, I mean, there's always, you know... Um, maintenance that's the kind of the thing is kind of preventative maintenance okay. I, I try yeah. to you know um, um, you know at any given time uh, you know 
doing, you know, a little fret dress or just kind of basic setups, uh, uh, broken tuning keys, you know, mm -hmm. faulty pickups, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, actually during the show, I don't, you know, that's part of the thing of having backups during the show because you yeah, don't want sure. to be trying to change out a pickup during a show. Of course. Know? Um, <laughs> but then, you know, um, Garth and his acoustics, he, you know, he'll, he'll drop them or he'll throw them or he'll throw them to me and I'll drop them. Yeah. Well, you that's, know, so. you're, you've become famous for catching Garth's acoustics. <laughs> that's, I catch, yeah, I catch most of them. That's kind of my, <laughs> you know, some of them definitely get away from me, but, uh, you know, that's, I, I luckily talk to me I, I, I get tuning keys and, uh, preamp bezels by the, uh, by the dozen. You know, <laughs> really? so. Yeah. But that's, I, I, I've managed to keep, there's, there was a couple of them that got annihilated. There was, a. Uh, a uh, guitar that got away from me in Omaha, Nebraska, that actually went over my head and hit the edge of the stage as it was going off the stage, okay. <laughs> and you know shredded the frets on the uh, oh, wow. the, the high side of the neck. So it, it's that kind of stuff. I just take and I just put in a box and I send back to the warehouse. And that's, okay, you know, <laughs> that will go to an auction or something because there's no you know no repair in there's that. There's no way so. back for that one. Yeah, that's and, and Garth <laughs> loves that stuff too. Is that he's like. What happened to that one with the, uh, yeah, the one that's got the headstock broken off of it? Yeah, it's in a box. You can, you know, so <laughs> he's, he actually, you know, he'll gift those kind of to people or he'll use yeah. them for, uh, you know, auctions, you know, yep. fundraisers, that kind of stuff. That's cool. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Nice. What about um, effects and amps? Do you, do you have anything to do with those or is that a different... Uh, oh, no. Yeah. We, we, I, we, me and Scotty are both all up in that. Um, yeah, I'm a... A little bit of an amp guy, um, I, in, enough to know what I, you know. I, I actually, I took a, uh, I took a tube amp class about a year ago. Uh, there's a guy named Bruce Agnator, Agnator amps. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he does a uh, uh, a class. It's like a two day class where you actually build an amp and you kind of go through and um, that helped helped me tremendously. That's uh, cool. Just kind of knowing a little little more theory behind it, but uh, yeah, nice. Um, I've yeah, heard him. So, I've heard know. him talk about that course. Actually, he he sounds really interesting. Yeah, he it was it was really cool. I, I um, the he does a couple of different ones. He actually does a the ant building class, and then he was doing like kind of a master class that I want to go do. But he only do he only does that once or twice a year. Okay. I've been trying to trying to get that because it's, it's it gets more into the. Uh, you know uh, the theory behind you know the electrical engineering as opposed to just going okay here's how a tube works here's okay. what you know um but it's it's I, I i had a fantastic time and it built a great amp you know and it definitely nice. helped me in uh just kind of understanding the the physiology of the whole thing okay cool very cool are the, are the guys running any elaborate effects rigs uh, not really. Uh, you know, Johnny is, you know, thankfully a uh, stomp box guy, you know, I mean, that's yeah. kind of my, you know, yes. that's, I'm like, you know, I, I, uh, I, we do, we do carry some Kempers. Uh, okay. I use a Kemper. I, uh, Garth uses a Kemper for his guitar and then I have one for mine. Okay. Um, luckily enough, it was kind of a, I didn't get too far into the programming. Um, yeah. you know, we had some, some of the profiles from Michael Britt. And uh, you just kind of went through and picked a half a dozen of them and set them up for the show. Yeah, cool. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's, you know, 
uh, tube screamer, you know, a delay pedal and, and uh, straight into a Marshall, you know. Okay, nice. Um, we do we do we do use ISO cases. Okay. Um, yep. Yep. You know, the two twelve and an ISO case, but uh, it just kind of helps to keep the, <laughs> the the roar down a little bit. You know? Yeah. Sure. So everyone's running in ears, I, I imagine. Well, that's um, most of the guys in the band are on in ears. Yeah. Uh, Garth hates in ears. He, okay. He, yeah, he's a he. He's tried it a couple different times, and he'll do it if he absolutely has to. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, he likes, you know, he just the the crowd noise. I mean, he'll yeah, sure. he'll sacrifice, you know, you know, if you you know if he can't hear himself, as long as he can hear the crowd, he's okay, you know. But yes. and it, you know we. Uh, you know, we've got I don't know whatever sixty-four wedges under the stage, so he's okay. he's 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 usually he can hear himself fairly well. He's so. doing all right. <laughs> yeah, he's he's doing okay. You know, that's cool. That's so good. So, um, man, three and a half years. So, what what's next for you then? You must be enjoying the break. Yeah, the <laughs> getting home the day before Christmas and and having uh, you know a little bit of a holiday has been wonderful. Um, yeah, right now we're uh, we have the uh, the Houston Rodeo is coming up in February, mm-hmm. um, and we're actually we're opening the rodeo and then we're going back two weeks later and closing it. Oh, cool! And so there's we a little bit of emailing and stuff going on right now. Um, I'm actually going to go down to Nashville next week and spend a couple of days, kind of you know undoing some of the stuff from the tour a lot of a lot of the gear is kind of tied in with pieces of the set you know okay yeah. um so we'll kind of undo all that and kind of repackage just to where we can go out and kind of do one-offs okay um you know so that's that's kind of the next step very cool now i think i read that garth is coming to australia in i think it's may 2018 is that is that true? well <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay. I keep hearing things. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's. I know that. I know it's being worked on, and I. Okay. And we've we've had some discussions. Yeah. He wants to, but it's just going to be a matter of you know. And he was, uh, by the end of you know the last couple of months of last year, we were working so much that we really. He wasn't even look. He was just looking yeah. towards you know the last show in Nashville. Sure. And then, you know, everybody take a. Everybody get a nap, and then we'll come back and figure it out. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we make it over there. I know he really wants to, and, and I, I definitely want to. We got to go there into the back in the '90s for a month, and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, great. Well, we would love to see you, and there's there's plenty of uh, plenty of fans down under that would be very excited about that show if that uh, if that comes oh, about. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I just, that was a, it was a shocker to us, or at least to me, <laughs> you know, when we went there in the nineties, I thought, Oh, well, this will be kind of cool. And then we were, you know, it was like, Holy cow. It's just, you know, <laughs> people are, people are really into this thing. It yeah. was fantastic. So yeah. good stuff. Excellent. Well, Hey John, thank you so much for your time. It was so great to talk to you. Loved hearing uh, about your, your career and um, of course the, the tour and, and all that goes into being a tech it, it, it looks like a massive job but it sounds like you're having a good time oh yeah yeah i mean it's you know that's, it beats working for a living that's kind of <laughs> you know i mean i've i've been fortunate enough to you know i've, I've done a, a, a couple of real jobs and that doesn't compare anything to you know stringing some guitars and, and yep. staying up late and hanging out with guys i've known for 30 years so <laughs> that's great that's so good Excellent. Well, hey, enjoy your break, and hopefully we'll see you uh, later this year before things work out. Yes, 
Sounds good. Yeah, if we're, if we're down under, uh, look me up, and I'll, I'll give you a, a nickel tour. We'll get to see all the all the fun toys that we carry around. Oh, I would love that. That's awesome. Cool, cool man. Hey, thanks, John. Really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, sure. that's awesome, man. That's so good. So so fun talking to you. Yeah, good to talk to you, and uh, take care, and we'll hopefully see you soon. All right, there you go. My conversation with John Kinch guitar tech to Garth Brooks and the Garth Brooks band, hopefully coming to Australia later in 2018. Man, I love talking to John. What a humble, um, yet very hardworking and obviously very talented man. So really enjoyed that. If you enjoyed the episode, why not share it throughout your social networks or however you do that kind of stuff. We appreciate that because it helps us get the word out for the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for joining me at the end of 2017, I posted some uh, collages up on Instagram with all the guests we had over the year, and um, it was amazing just looking back at the, some of the fantastic things we got to do. So, thank you for being a listener. Without without you guys, we, we wouldn't have a show. So, thank you for making it all happen. If you've got any comments or feedback on the show, I always love to hear that. So, uh, you can drop that off at you know the Facebook group or the Facebook page, or send me an email at guitarspeakpodcast at gmail.com. Again, we'd love to hear from you in any kind of form. All right, I'm going to get out of here. My name is Matt Wakeling. Thank you for joining me on the Guitar Speak podcast. There's lots of great stuff to come in 2018, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.